Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the podcast where a real statistics professor and the Batman Jones Robin, Jake, gives you sports betting tips. I'm I'm prof- I'm Robin apparently. I'm Professor Science. You can yeah, follow me follow all my picks. Yeah, you can find all my picks on Twitter at Professor Science. You can follow my friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. Today is Sunday, March thirteenth, twenty twenty two, and this episode covers today's only college basketball bets. There's five games today. We're going to hit them all. In case you're new here, I built a mathematical model that predicts the spread and total should be for every Division I college basketball game. And information along with a graded A, B, or C pick for, I mean, today's games, I guess, eventually, but there are none not covered in today's episode is usually available in the Google Sheet linked on the website, pickswiththeprofessor.com. A picks are the ones I love, B picks are the ones I like, and C picks are the leans. However, please remember that good and bad variants will occur so as much as I'd like to say the model will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Jake, reports of the model's demise after two rough days this week, a little overblown back to the other profitable day yesterday of five units. And I tweeted about this. I'm really excited. I kind of fixed the system a little bit. I've been working on this a lot over the year because I knew there were teams that the model just missed on, right? I've kind of talked about a handful of them. We saw it yesterday with Davidson, the day before Davidson, where I'm sitting here going, I love Davidson, I know this, but the model doesn't like them. I don't know how to handle that. New Mexico State's been one. Um, you know, the Navy totals we've long talked about. NJIT's been one. There's been a handful of teams like that. Vermont, yeah, Vermont yesterday, which I mentioned, right? I mentioned that on the pod that like the model's taking UMBC, but I, I mentioned the record, it was like three and 13 or something. And uh, without getting too much into the weeds, I, I knew this all along. And I tried all season to adjust the model a little bit mathematically because I don't want any you know, add-ons to this. But mathematically to kind of say, here's how much I'm missing by here's how much to adjust. And every time I did it, the, the model overall got worse, which I think is an interesting finding that I, I can dive deeper on. I might like have a website. I might like write a blog post about this or something for people who are interested. And, and it has some interesting implications, but the, the long story short was could never do it. So I kind of finally got a fix for that. And I'll talk about it a little bit today, given that a couple of these teams are playing today that have been uh, really over or underperforming lately. So I will talk about that. And so I'm excited about that on top of a winning day yesterday. Jake, what is one thing or two things or however many things? There's only five games to talk about. So how many things you want to talk about? Let's let's talk. Look, I'm just absolutely giddy that Selection Sunday is here. This is incredible. Like I talked about yesterday, it's it's wide open everywhere, and I cannot wait to be the guy in the room that's like, hey, I'm smarter than the committee and all those guys there, and this is why, and all the versions of the transitive property where so-and-so beats so-and-so, so that means they got beat by this team, that means this team beats this team. Yeah, I can't wait for all those discussions because that's just so much fun. Uh, but some double-digit seeds or projected double-digit seeds to kind of watch out for here. Like St. Peter's, that defense is really good, and they force a lot of turnovers. Not sure how great that team is overall, but forcing turnovers and playing at a pace when you've got nothing to lose because you weren't expected to be there is deadly come uh, come March. And then the way Davidson and Vermont shoot the ball, whew, this is, this is going to be – that would be – terrifying if I see one of those teams lined up against my team and Chattanooga and Loyola Chicago are just really good teams that just didn't play a great non-conference so they're not getting talked about that much but these these teams are really teams to watch out for also don't forget to join the uh picture of the professor bracket group on ESPN the uh, password is professor all lowercase so just join in see if you can beat us all right, that sounds great. And uh, yeah, we got to the goal of a thousand YouTube subscribers last night. A huge thank you to everyone who clicked that subscribe button. If you still haven't 
yeah, we'd appreciate you clicking that subscribe button. It's on there in that bottom corner of your screen if you're on YouTube. Uh, share with others who are in the game. Drop a comment on YouTube or Twitter. We love those and try to respond to as many as we can. And I guess we'll do that bracket episode tomorrow uh, as well. So we can give some of that bonus content since people will be wanting to talk about the games all week. We'll give you some content every day this week. We'll do that bracket episode on Monday. Tuesday, we'll talk about the playing game and we'll talk about some of the early round games we like. Same thing Wednesday, we'll talk about the playing game, some of the early games we like. And then Thursday, we'll do our normal episode with our favorite picks. And then we'll do a bonus episode where we talk about every other game that's out there. Same thing Friday. We'll, ha we'll, we'll have covered the game somewhere in one of the episodes if you want all that content if you want to just stick to the normal kind of 20-ish minute shows with our favorite pitch you can do that as well and if you want to hear the other stuff we've got that as well so we kind of got, got you covered either way there this next week uh at march and october best time of year i mean october you got college football and you got baseball playoffs is fantastic uh and then march you got uh you know baseball a little late now but getting going is exciting right all your fantasy drafts all that stuff in march madness I and mean, march and october are always my two favorite months so. leading into the masters which is always wonderful there you go. Exactly. Uh, the commercials and all the nostalgia from, from there, right? Um, all right. So today we've got five games. Again, we're going to hit them all. We're going to start off with the Ivy League game, Yale and Princeton playing, I think, at Harvard's gym, if that's not yeah. weird enough. Uh, the model here thinks that Yale has a slight edge, but the model has really underestimated Princeton. Like, they have come on strong. So I'm going to pass on the side. And instead, I'm going to turn to that total. The model thinks the total should be 145 and a half. So I'm going to take over 143 and a half. And remember, on this game and all the other games, I am giving a slight point deduction because of the neutral side conference tournament, all that stuff effect. It's worked, it worked mostly yesterday for us. Even that Kansas over I took got us there. So it's leaning more under than over. I'm still giving that penalty. I still think over is the right play here, over 143 and a half. This one's an interesting to me because I saw bits and pieces of both of the Ivy League games yesterday. They both had a ton of points early and then just ground to a halt. That seems a little bit flukish to me. Maybe you eye a first half over if you think the same thing's going to happen. I can't say I've ever recommended the first half over. Yeah. It's kind of a weird play, but it's something to consider. I'm personally, I'm recommending the game over. That way, if there's late fouls, which is very possible in a tight game, and or overtime can get us there. Princeton's defense is awful. But their offense is amazing. Yale plays really fast. I think let's start the day off with some points. I'm going over 143 and a half. Jake, which side are you on in this one? Well, uh, you kind of took all the points ahead. Uh, but I'm on Princeton, <laughs> and, and I think it's because their offense is so much better than Yale's, and their defense is not that far behind Yale's. So, yeah, Yale doesn't have any defense either, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think the difference is that in the offense, the way Princeton is shooting the ball, they've won eight in a row. They're 18 to two as a favorite this year. Uh, they're super efficient offensively. They rank fifth in effective field goal percentage, sixth and three point percentage. And that's even gone up in their last three. They're at 44.2 in their last three, which is just insane as a team. Um, they rank fifth and threes made a game. So it's not like they're shooting three. They're making almost 11 a game right now. And that's just, insane and they're taking care of the ball their turnovers on the year are about just under 10 but they've dropped that down to 6.7 in their last three which is just that's that's wisconsin-esque like yeah. even better than that and i think it worked out to be like a 10 percent. so one in every 10 is a turnover wow it's pretty good yeah that's incredible but somehow with all this amazing shooting they have they are garbage at the free throw line it doesn't <laughs> it makes zero sense that you step back five ten feet and everything's going in at 44 almost the same percentage 
They're shooting wow. 54% from the free throw line as a team, but 44% from the three line. That makes no sense. It's supposed to work the other way, but that seems that seems hard to do. Yeah, that's it's just nuts. But like I said, Yale's defense is just close enough in ranking to for Princeton. I think Princeton gets those covered very easy. And I got a kind of off-topic question for you with a. Uh, with it being at Harvard's gym, is that a true neutral site, or does that change your model at all since they've played there and they'd be more familiar? Yeah, it's a good question. It, I, am, I am treating it as a true neutral site, and here's the reason why is that when we have the, a road game, right, part of the home court advantage is the fact that it's not your gym. It's not your backdrop. It's not the same thing that you're shooting at that you're used to, and that's part of the home court advantage for the home team, and so in this case, it doesn't turn out to be an advantage or disadvantage. It turns out to be a slight disadvantage to both, so yeah, I'm, even though it's a gym that they've played at, I am still giving them that slight penalty. Like, we saw the same thing with the Southland playing in Katy, and they all played there earlier in the season, so it's a gym they have all played at, but again, it not being your backdrop, it's like each team's offense gets a tiny bit worse. And when you get a tiny bit worse against a team who is comfortable there, that's part of, uh, again, refs and fans and travels, part of the home court advantage too. That also gives you that little uh, boost there. And so here, I am still deflating it for, yeah. So so great, great question. Great question. Uh, Moving on, we've got Richmond at Davidson. 12 p.m. Central here. Davidson's a three and a half point favorite. I mean, see above on the side, right? I'm missing less with Davidson lately than Princeton, uh, but Davidson's just been a buzzsaw, and the model right now would give a slight lean to Richmond. I don't think Richmond is a crazy side to take. They've been good to us lately. Getting three and a half points in a game that anything can happen in isn't a crazy thing, but just given how hot Davidson has been, it reaches that threshold that I was playing with yesterday that just says maybe the site isn't your smartest investment. The model thinks the total should be 140. The last time they played, there was a ton of points. I think let's go over 137 and a half. Jake, this should be a fantastic game to watch with how well both of these teams are playing. If I'm not mistaken, it Richmond needs to win to make the tournament, so they're going to be laying it all on the line. Davidson's in either way. Again, been a fantastic team, been a fantastic team of late. Can Davidson keep that hot streak going and cover three and a half, or does Richmond make it into the big dance? Yeah, I, I think Davidson covers this. Uh, this is your bid thief alert, like woo woo yep. kind of thing, right? Everybody and their brothers going to be watching this game that's anywhere near the bubble, right? Because yep. Richmond is eating that last spot if they get in and – that who's that kick out? Like, where's the committee line things up and what's that done? Like, and then Texas Tech and Virginia Tech's runs, like, what are Texas Tech, Texas A&M? Yeah. Like, that, there's a lot of bubble implications happening today, with, which is really different than most years because normally it's all settled. But what, you got Richmond and Texas A&M that are, could be, I think Texas A&M's in the way, but. Uh, well, so they, they could lose and still make it, or they yeah. could win and for sure make it. They're definitely interesting. Yeah. spot for that yeah and so richmond has to have this one so they're going to be throwing everything they have at it but i, I really think davidson's got it they are just an incredible offense and are, they're on a buzzsaw um kind of role and their defense is average but with a um offense like they have an average defense looks so much better than what it actually is because and they really need uh i want to try to say his name but jerkinson but the big guy, big white guy um, that runs the paint. When he's in, their defense goes up considerably because he can defend the rim. Um, when he's out in the few games he's missed, they've really struggled. And uh, like Davidson already beat them by three on the road, and they, I think they took Richmond's best shot there and still came out clean. 
So I think they're going to win this one probably five to ten somewhere there. Uh, I just I don't think Richmond's got enough offense. Uh, they're going to depend too much on Gilliard and Burton, and Burton's not been playing well in the tournament. Uh, Gilliard's been having a great tournament. I think he had thirty plus yesterday. So this is this is going to be a time for him to shine. But I don't think they've got enough to get it done. Yeah, and you talked about the implications, of course. Fascinating that AM plays at the exact same time. And so if you're an AM fan, obviously you just want to win and be in and not worry about it. But you know that if you lose, you've got one eye on this game going. Hopefully there's not a bid stealer there so that yeah. we can still make it since they're you know squarely on the bubble. Um like you said, it sounds like maybe probably more in than out, but you never really know. Every year there's always surprises. So, I mean, that's the bottom line is that we, you know, th- there's a handful of teams we know are in and a handful of teams we know are out. And those teams like that that are on the bubble are every year there's always one or two. So uh, we're going to skip over that AM game, though, come back to that one later and actually talk about another game here involving a team that was squarely on the bubble about a month ago, but gotten insanely hot in Memphis. They're playing Houston for the American Athletic Championship today. And this is a Memphis team that has been on fire, a Houston team that somehow keeps covering these big numbers. Uh, I'm I'm over the world on these teams this week. The models had a hard time catching up with both of them. Houston, I feel like zigs and zags a little bit. Right? Houston was they lost their guys. Everyone, you know, we all kind of docked them a little bit. They're not gonna cover, they don't have any depth. Oh, they covered. And then we started kind of riding them, and then all that depth came back to bite them, and they lost a few. <laughs> and then, no, that's okay. They could cover the big number again. And they're just kind of like zigging and zagging all over the place. Um, the model thinks this total should be 137 and a half or 138. Those would be the numbers that the model would say. These two teams played last week, and it was 136. And that was a very sleepy second half. So I think over is the way to go. Memphis is playing fast. Houston will try to slow it down. So there's something to keep an eye on. Memphis wants to play this in the 150s. And Houston wants to play it a lot lower than that. But I just don't think Houston can slow Memphis down enough to keep it in the 120s. So I think over 133.5 is the smart play on this one. I want no part of the side here because I cannot peg either one of these teams. But I am fascinated to see what happens. And what do you think? Do you think Memphis can keep it close? Do you think there's value? taking that three and a half with Memphis, maybe a little money line play, or you think Houston gets it done? I, I like Memphis in this game. Um, I really don't know what's going to happen this team, both these teams. I think Memphis has put it together here at the end, and Penny's figured it out. I think I mentioned that yesterday. And, but the Houston team and Samson, this is just an incredible this is an incredible matchup that would be a great game to watch if, if I wasn't so invested in Tennessee. Um, but, like, Oh man, in this game, I really don't know where it's going to go. So I like taking points when I don't know what's happening because I'd rather have it in my pocket than need it at the end. Um, like you had Duran who left and came back, uh, Duran, Duran, uh, for Memphis who left and came back during the game with his hand. Like, how's that going to affect him this whole game? Like, how sore is it today versus like when it actually happened? Um, and Fabian White Jr., I think it's Fabian, it's White Jr., being questionable that. For, for tonight's game for Houston, like how, how does that change an already super thin team, and how does Samson push his team knowing that they're already in safely? So, yeah. how how much does he want this AAC title? I'm not sure how much this would improve their seed with a win or a loss, or like how much that affects anything. So it's really questionable what's going on here. Um, if you really want to take a play, take Memphis because uh, that's points in your pocket, I would think. But man, I'm I'm not comfortable with it, with either side here because I'm I just. It's really hard to tell what's going to happen. And, and you do make an interesting point. Something for our listeners to consider there is, uh, you know, you, you never really want to peg motivation because it's 
We're all, I feel like we're often yeah. we're just flipping coins. But if Samson is looking at this saying, we've won conference before, we don't need to kill ourselves today. My hunch is that Penny Hardaway wants to win this badly. He's taken a lot of heat and some of it well-deserved. He's also done fantastic. So I want to I want to say the good and the bad. He's done fantastic lately. Whatever he's done has been amazing. Like I said, they've gone from bubble team. They're probably going to miss the tournament to, you know, squarely in now with how well they've played. So credit to him. But my hunch is he, he you know, he hears the haters. He hears the detractors. And he wants to go out and win this game. Uh, so I, that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Again, that doesn't mean that they will, right? You can never look at it and say the team that wants it needs it. Like that's a yeah. very bad betting strategy. Please don't do that. But it is maybe an extra little, extra little bit to think about. Does Houston really want to go out and win this? And that might be enough to kind of get you over the edge on Memphis. They are, like you said, either taking the points or the money line. You know, I also think the overs way to go. I think Memphis is going to get up and down that court. So a couple of interesting yeah. things to look at there. And then at that same time, the Big Ten title game, uh, also two teams squarely in, Iowa and Purdue. Purdue is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, this, to me, kind of feels like that game you just talked about. I don't know what's going to happen in this game. If you force me to take a side, I would take Iowa. I think getting two-and-a-half points or money line in a coin toss game makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, that's going to win 55% of the time probably. It's a heck of a target. So I think there's some value there on the points. My official pick, however, is going to be over 149 and a half. The model thinks that 154 is the right number. The Iowa overs have been rolling. Purdue hasn't been as much of an over team lately, and Purdue might try to slow this game down a little bit. But neither defense for Big Ten standards is that good. They're both they're both average overall, which means for Big Ten, they're below average. Yeah. And both offenses are absolutely incredible. I think the offenses are so good that these two teams aren't going to help them. They're going to be able to help themselves from getting this game into the 150s. Uh, it doesn't matter how much Purdue might try to slow this game down. I just think the offense is so good. There's going to have to be a ton of points. So I think over 149 and a half is a good play. I think, like I said, maybe mid 150, uh, 155s, you know, that that's kind of a better number for it. Jake Purdue's a two and a half point favorite. Can they win? Or are you like the last game thinking that the points and or money line with a short dog makes a lot of sense in a coin toss game? Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning with you. I'm with Iowa. This is, like you said, you point, it's a coin toss. Um, it's really, it's going to be a fun one to watch. It'll be, it should be up and down, lots of offense. Two great players, Keegan Murray and Ivy, going at it. It's going to be, that should just, that watching them duel should just be a lot of fun. Um, and, but Purdue's defense is actually somewhat improving, um, which, I mean, that's not great for them because they've never had great defense, but. Um, which is why, which is why their overs haven't been as good. Their defense has has tracked better from how bad. I mean, it, early on it was just atrocious, right? Now it's improved was, to like mediocre, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, like in their last three, they're only allowing sixty six points a game. Part of that's who they've played with, uh, Penn State and stuff like that, and IU who are just not great offenses. But part of that's their really good defense. Newman stepping up has been big because he's a really good on ball defender. So if he can produce anything offensively, he'll earn those minutes. But I mean, Keegan Murray, I don't understand how he didn't win player of the year in the Big Ten. It doesn't make sense. Anytime that you are averaging 24 points a game and hitting 55% of your shots is just nuts because that, like, that just allows your team to be so much better because you don't need to be fed the ball 100 times a game. Um, and he hit and he willed his team into that game. Listen, I know he didn't hit the game winner, but he was the sole reason they were even anywhere near it yesterday. Uh, he did eight threes, and I did not know what to do. Um, they could, they couldn't solve it. 
And I think really this game will depend on pace. Like I was going to want that to get that moving because they did this a lot with IU, and this is really how they got came back. And I, I kind of like the move. They would they did a little token pressure to kind of take their off like take their offense and have to make it make IU's offense speed up a little bit. And then they put Murray at the five, so and made Trace Jackson Davis chase him all around the court. Which was a, I thought was a brilliant move, and you do something like that today, where you're going to have Williams or Edie go around and have to chase him. I, I, that could work in spurts, um, but if Purdue can slow the ball down, that's terrible because Edie and Williams will just eat Murray alive um, down low. So it really kind of depends on where that, who's in control of the pace and when that. And then Jaden Ivy is just an offensive mistake eraser. He goes a little out of control at times and makes some dumb decisions, but. Man, I've not seen a guy make more bad decisions that turn out good than I have been watching him, and it's just wild. Like the layup that really kind of iced the game where he shot it falling on his back, uh, was he should have pulled that out and, wait, and waited for it, but nope, he went one on four and somehow got the layup, and it was insane. Um, so this should be a great game to watch. All right, yep, and that's the – Early uh, the 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 four games that I'm gonna give you a pick on. I got four over picks, which again this week I've been leaning under. So this is very weird. Again, the model is still penalizing all of these totals a little bit, dropping them down. I think it's overreactions. I think over makes. I could have saved you all the time. Just said go back to bed. Just take some overs. This might take on those for our last one here. One that I don't have a pick for you officially the model doesn't really have a good leaning either way in the sec game a&m versus tennessee i'm gonna go back to uh one of the names earlier in the week that worked for us here we're gonna call this segment laying with jake jake why should we lay the six points with tennessee i think it comes down to the offensive end right so tennessee's defense like according to ken Baum, is third in the nation and texas a&m is the 37 so you've got two really really good defenses going at it um, Texas A&M has been playing out of their mind and are uh, like out of these last games a bit of a buzzsaw, but I think that kind of comes to an end because Tennessee's got these three-point guards, this three-headed monster with uh, Vescovy, uh, Chandler, and Ziegler, and that they are so annoying as you're going up the court and stuff. They just all – they don't let you breathe and anything like that. So trying to get Texas A&M, who needs their guards to score, like Quinn Jackson's just been nuts, highlight play after highlight play after highlight play. I don't know that his life is going to be as easy as it was going against Auburn and Arkansas. I, I think there is uh, just a little bit too much. And then the Duke transfer, Henry Coleman, has been playing well, but Tennessee's got a rotation of big guys that can make his life hard and they can defend the rim, um, especially with the way Hudley Hatfield and I do are playing right now. That Those two guys stepping up has really improved. Tennessee's already really good defense. Um, Texas A&M struggles with the – turning the ball over at times, and I think that's going to come back to bite them. But the way Tennessee went, I know their offense disappears at times, and that's always worrisome when you get over that five number. Uh, but laying six here really isn't that bad. A couple threes go in with the way Viscovi's shooting uh, and the way Ziegler's shooting, get Chandler to push the pace a little bit. And I think I think Tennessee gets this one done, gets it done around the 10 number, and uh, go home happy. All right, and that's all we've got for you. No buzzer beaters. There's five games. You covered them all. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picks with the Professor. If you haven't done so yet, click that subscribe button to ensure that all the college basketball content is dropped right into your feed. We will see you tomorrow for that bracket episode and then every day next week to cover all of the tournament games. Until then, remember, you need your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.